Well, it's back to school time. I'm a professor at Texas A&M, and uh, being on campus last week, you see all the students moving in. Everybody's nervous. I was meeting with my, my uh, one of my classes. I have seven TAs, and part of their, their TA duties is they have to meet with students on Friday. <coughs> and these students were so nervous because, you know, they, they're, they're just a little bit older than the students that they're meeting with. And um, so I, I was sharing with them, look, I've been, I've been teaching on the university campus for 20 years, and I get nervous every time I go up there to teach. So it's, it's okay. And it's the same way, uh, I, uh, I wish I could say that I was as proficient as John. I hope that you uh, will come back and, and, and hear John next week. He's uh, such a great pastor. But I, I feel like I have something to share with you today that I think is really important. Um, and I want to kind of using the theme of going back to school. Uh, I think we all need to re, re, renew our studies every year. We need to be students. In fact, I think that God has called us to be Renaissance people. What does that mean? That means it doesn't matter what your profession is. We should be theologians. We should be students of history, students of whatever. And, and uh, certainly we need to be students of the Bible. Um, I remember when I was in college, I, I, was, I was this zealous young Christian. And that's all I cared about. So I didn't do that well my first year in, in college. And I came home, and my mother, she wrote a note to me. That's the way my mom liked to communicate the hard messages in notes. Your, your parents probably do the same thing. Um, and she said, Todd, she said, you know, you, I love the way you're serving God, but you're, you're, you're a bad steward over what God has called you at this time in your life. He calls you to be a student, and yet you weren't doing that. And I think as Christians, God has called us to be students of his word. If we're going to be good stewards over what God has called us to be, then we need to be in the word all the time. Uh, so this is a message I think we need to hear every year. I've actually preached this before at, at uh, Mercy Hill. I couldn't remember when it was because I didn't, I didn't write down the, uh, the date. But I think it's something that we constantly need to hear. Now, as I talk to students, students say, you know, I really like school. I like learning what I don't like is all those exams. So, and I, I get that. So what I'm going to do is use a technique that the, the Bush School actually taught me, which is uh, give, you, give you the bottom line up front. Um, can, can you move forward, Manny? To um, keep going, one more. There we go. The bottom line up front, that is, uh, uh, I think the Air Force the United States Air Force, this is something they use in their communications. Basically, you give, the, you give the, the big message first, and then we'll talk about the details later. So this is the answer to the test. So if you don't get anything I, I say today, get this. Okay, let's follow with me. As believers, we should seek to know God in his fullness and the depths of his character by studying and meditating on the Bible so that what we know about God and the way we live is in accord with what God has revealed about himself. Wow, that's a lot of stuff. But if you get that, that's the message for today. That we need to know God in his fullness and who he is by studying his word. We know what to think about God or how to understand who God is. Also how to live by looking at what God has revealed about himself. So really, the, if I was to sum that up, is to we get in the word because God's word is, is uh, his, his message to us. It's who he is given to us, and from that we know how to live and how to behave, or how, what to think and how to behave. 
That's the, the bottom line up front. So that's what we're going to focus on today. Knowledge and zeal, laying the foundations that can survive in this mixed up world. You know, we, we hear a lot about um, fake news. We don't even know it's true anymore. You know, if you go to the, if you, if you search things on the internet, algorithms are going to send something to you based on what your previous searches have done. So if you, if you, if you were, if you, and it's what's crazy, even if you were searching something in, er, in error, all of a sudden you start getting all this other stuff that, that lines up with that. So you can't even trust what you're getting on the internet. We have to be better students. Uh, it's a crazy mixed up world out there. I, I can't believe as I sit sometimes in the morning, drink my coffee and turn on the news, what they're talking about. It's just, it's craziness. But as Christians, God has given us the opportunity to, to lay a foundation in our lives that can survive this mixed-up world we live in. And our, and our main text today is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, but we're going to look at, at a little bit more of, of Timothy as we, as we go through this. If you look at the picture that's on the board, you can see what? It's, uh, it's kind of out of focus, and that's really the way the world is. The world is out of focus. When we just look at it with our human eyes, we can't really understand what's going on out there because there's so many, uh, we say in academics, there's so many variables out there. It's just a mixed up world. But what we do is we take our glasses and we put them on. And then it should come into focus. Well, the, the glasses are really God's word. God word God's word are the, uh, the glasses we put on that clarify the world as we see it. And why is, why is that? Because God is our creator and our sustainer, according to the word. He's our creator of this world and the sustainer of this world. So when we put on the, the, uh, the glasses, they clarify for us what we see out there. And that's what's happening in this world. So we need to be in the word because that clarifies for us what the world is really all about. <coughs> now, from Romans 10. This is kind of the basis of the title of this, of this sermon. Follow along with me, uh, Romans 10, 1 through 3. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to, to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear, I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Let me read that again. For I bear with them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So, zeal and knowledge. And if I was to be honest with you, I, would, I want every one of us to be zealous for the things of God, to have zeal for God. But what, what Paul's writing here in, in Romans is that, look, uh, you can't have zeal without knowledge. And we're going to go into deep, deep detail in that in just a second. Uh, he said, you know, that when, you, when they don't act according to knowledge and they're ignorant of the righteousness of God or what God's truth is, then we seek to establish it on our own. In fact, every day as I, I, I interact with, with even believers around the, uh, around the country, uh, people I know on campus and watching the news, we, there's a lot of, let me just, stinking thinking going on. A lot of bad thinking, whereas we, we have zeal about, we're so passionate about a subject, but we don't know anything. And as Christians, we don't want to be that way. That's what Paul is guarding against, or trying to guard against here, is, is uh, when we have zeal without knowledge. Let's go in, let's, let's try to unpack this idea of knowledge. 
<clears throat> First of all, zeal, I, I just wrote a quick definition here, great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or objective. We can be zealous for the Lord. We have zeal uh, for God. It's what we do, all right? But there has to be a balance with, what, with, our, with our passion and our zeal. And I think that Paul's telling us here that, that balance is knowledge. The facts, information, or skills acquired by a person through experience or education, it's what we think. So what we do and what we think, there needs to be a balance here. If we're only zealous, if we're only full of zeal, we run into problems. We need to have that, our zeal, uh, the fence of our zeal is our knowledge, or what God has told us about himself, what he's revealed to us about himself. Uh, I, I saw this on the internet the other day. I had to copy it. You can lead a human to knowledge, but you can't make it think. And that really is true. I, uh, I tell students in my class, and I teach politics or political science, so there's a lot of different views out there. And I say, you can have any view you want. You're, not gonna, you're never going to offend me, but you have to have some data. You have to have something to balance. To, you can't just be, I feel that this is the way it should be. I mean, you've got to bring some data. You can have any opinion, but have data. I think here, uh, what we need to do is to, to, be, is to be the type that uh, knowledge is provided us, and then we think about it. And that's what we, we need to do as Christians. Okay. If our zeal, if you look at this little, uh, I guess this is basic algebra with a greater than sign there. If our zeal is greater than our knowledge then we can wander off God's path in our beliefs and conduct. Okay? If our zeal exceeds our knowledge, because being zealous is not what it's all about. We need to, to be believers who are walking in God's ways and understand the way that he, he has revealed himself to us. That's the direction we go. So being excited about it is not enough. We need... We need our knowledge to at least equal our zeal and maybe even uh, supersede our zeal. It'll be greater than our zeal. But if our zeal is, is, uh, uh, is greater than our knowledge, we can wander away as we follow basically our own hearts, not being fenced in by the knowledge of God, that he's revealed, knowledge of him who he, he has revealed himself to us. So let's focus on that, zeal and knowledge. Psalm 105 says this, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In fact, if you, if you, if you look at, at Psalm 119 and 105, it's this idea that God's word is, is, a, is like a light that shines in front of us, and as we walk, we're walking the correct way because it's illuminated. And that's what we want God's word to be to us. And so if we, if we just take off running... Without, the, without God's word, we're liable to get off the path. But God's word, uh, Psalm 119 says, no, God's word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path so we know where to go because of God's word. So we can't run out ahead of where, where God's word takes us. So uh, there's one big, there's a, there's a lot of truth here, I think, today, but one is, as you see on the screen now, is... Uh, we are commanded to love. We are commanded to love God with our minds. We're commanded to love God with our minds. Now, it, it, we we tend to think because uh, uh, one of my favorite sayings is the uh, uh, the heart of the matter is the is the matter of the heart. 
Our hearts get, if our heart gets messed up, it, it messes up our whole, uh, whole life. In fact, in, Psalm, in Psalms, we, we read in Psalms 4.23, I believe, it's guard your heart for out of it come the issues of life. But when you read Paul, in, in, in all his writings, he continually talks about the mind. And, and this is where we get this idea that we are commanded to love God with our minds. Let me give you some examples. Uh, from Romans 12, 2. And do not be confront, conformed by this, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we're transformed, we're actually changed from one state to another by the renewing of our minds. Now, the question I have for you is, why did God not say by the renewing of your heart? we think that would be natural. If you read that, you go, yeah, get your heart renewed and things will be good. But what, what Paul continually um, uses is this idea of the mind, okay, that what we think, and that's why I, I'm, we're focusing on that today, this idea of knowledge is, is transformative for us as people. And do not be conformed to this world, conformed to the world, this is the, the, the world out around us, but be transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, uh, next verse. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with your, all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. From Luke 10, 27. And love the Lord with all your mind. The mind, how we think about God, is transformative in the way we live for God. That's, that's, uh, that's the point we're trying to make here. Colossians 3.2, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things of the earth. It could have said set your heart on things that are above, but set your mind. What are you thinking about all day long? We need to be thinking God's thoughts after him, and we do that by the study of God's word, by developing that knowledge of God through the study of his word hearing the preaching and teaching of his word. It's that, it's that transformative power of the gospel through the spoken word of God. And we're going to look at that in, in 2 Timothy as we move forward. Okay, what I want to do is I want to look at, I've, I've pulled out some verses from chapter 3 and chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. Now 2 Timothy, <clears throat> Paul is writing to Timothy. Paul is at the end of his ministry. He's probably going to be... Uh, put to death soon. He doesn't know when, but it's probably coming soon. And he's trying to, he's trying to tell Timothy, these are some things that, I, that I'm, I'm, I'm handing the baton off to you. So this is an important time. And, he, and, he, and the message is, don't forget the things that we've, been ta that we've taught you, that you've been taught. Recognize that uh, not everybody's going to be with you. In fact, there's going to be persecution that comes uh, as you go, as you continue to do the ministry that God has called you to do, because there's opposition out in the world. And then he gives him some some hints from uh, <clears throat> as he goes along. Let me just read this out uh, because the scripture always speaks well for itself. Uh, chapter three. But mark this: there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Without love, unforgiving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing, have nothing to do with such people. 
Wow, that's a big list. But you can see that today. We can see that among uh, people we interact with today. Uh, then verse 10, however, know all about my how you however know all about my teaching my way of life my purpose faith patience love endurance persecution sufferings what kinds of things happened to me in antioch iconium lystra the, the persecutions i endured yet the lord rescued me from all from them all so here paul's telling timothy look you've seen what's happened to me don't think it's not going to happen to you in fact everyone who wants to live a godly life in christ will be persecuted while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Verse 14, but it's for you, continuing what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. He said, look, uh, continue in what you've learned. We've taught you. You know us. We've, we've taught you these things, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures from which, or which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So he's, he's making a case here for the word. Verse 16, and this is what we're going to focus on uh, the rest of the morning. All scripture is in God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul, in his, in his charge to Timothy, says, look, don't forget, all scripture is God-breathed and in its purpose to make, to make you equipped for all the work that you have to do. And finally, verse 4, <clears throat> chapter 4. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of, this, of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. That's really, it could be a charge to us. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage, with great patience and careful instruction. That's really what we need. That's what we can focus on. If you say, well, what can I do in my Christian life? Uh, be prepared in season and out of season. How do we do that? By understanding God's word and living according, and thinking and living according to God's word. Okay, then finally, to, to, to finish up, for the time will come when people will not build up with sound doctrine. And, we're, and we'll talk about doctrine in a minute, but this, this idea that... Uh, People say, I don't want to know the truth. I don't want to know God as you tell us who he is. Uh, I don't want to know that. So people don't want sound doctrine. They want to, well, the doctrine they want is man doctrine or man's doctrine where they, they choose the way they want to go instead of having this, this, this Bible that you keep talking about. It's too narrow. It, 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 it hems us in. It keeps us from um, doing what we want to do. We want to go our own way. That's the way the world is. The world doesn't like the commands of Christ because it sees it as too narrow. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of evangelists, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Well, that, that's a sermon in itself. But oh, the, Timothy's message to, uh, or Paul's message to Timothy. Okay, we must learn to think God's thoughts so we can live in a manner that glorifies our Father in heaven. 
So our task during this school year as we return ourselves to, to the classroom, wherever you are, is that, that we learn to think God's thoughts. What does God want us to think? What are we, what's the knowledge that we need to grow in in this year that will be helpful and beneficial to us as we live our lives in a manner that glorifies our Father in heaven? Okay, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We read it just a few seconds ago. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is a, a technique, one teaching looping. So we just talk about the same thing over and over again. So at the end of the day, you'll go, wow, if I hear that again, uh, I'll go crazy. But that's really the way we learn. <clears throat> All scripture is breathed by God. All scripture is breathed by God. In fact, I used to spend most of my time thinking about the things that scripture is profitable for, for, for teaching, for rebuking, for correction and training in righteousness. But then I was doing some research and I thought, and then uh, there was a lot of discussion, this idea of all scripture is breathed out by God. Well, what does that mean? What it means is that when God breathed out scripture, using that idea, that this is, this is how we are to know who God is and what he's all about because he has breathed out his truth. This is from Kevin DeYoung, who's the pastor of Christ Covenant Church in, in uh, North Carolina. I thought it was very good. The Bible is not just another book, so we ought to approach it in a, we ought, so we ought to approach it in a unique way. The Bible is God-breathed. It's inspired. That doesn't mean that the Bible is inspiring, now it is inspiring, but whether anyone in the world is inspired by the Bible, the Bible still inspired itself. It's God's word to us. It's God exhaling. God opened his most, his most hallowed lips and is speaking to us. So this word is God's word, and this word is exactly what God wanted to be written down in holy scriptures. It's God breathed. Really, in its simplest form, we ought to come to the word of God with the same sort of attitude with which we come to God himself. If God spoke to you, which he does in the scriptures, if God opened his mouth to us, how would we approach him? Well, I think we would listen carefully. We would listen diligently. We would listen submissively. We would listen expectantly. And we would listen, to, we would listen with an aim to love and obey. What a great description of this idea that God has breathed his truth out in the form of, of our scriptures that we have, the, the, the word of God, and that we need to, to uh, we, you know, we, for some reason we, we hear a sermon, we take that, or we, we pray, we want God to, to speak to us, but we have, his, we have his word that he breathed out in truth at our, in our midst, and we can take it seriously and come to, to, that, to the scriptures with the same reverence we would come to God himself if, if he was here. So all scripture is breathed out by God. <clears throat> scripture is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. righteousness. That word profitable is, uh, another word you could use is beneficial. You'd say that, so scripture is beneficial for these things. Or scripture is useful for these things. I like that idea that uh, it's beneficial. So it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Now, these four things that, the, that 2 Timothy tells us about Scripture, they're all good for us. 
they're all good for us. Some of them are, are more positive than others, but they're all good for us. And we're listening. So I want to take a few minutes, and we're going to look at through each one of these. And then finally, the reason that God uh, has given us these things and his word to do these things for us is that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And so that's really our goal. The reason we, we study scripture so that we can know God in his fullness, we can know how to behave, and that we're equipped for the work that he's given us. And we know that uh, through scripture that, that we are created for good works before the beginning of time, but we're, we were equipped to do those works through his um, through an understanding of his word. Okay, now, first thing is, is scripture is profitable for teaching. And I put some, some in, the, in the green boxes there. You can see some different ideas that help us understand what this word teaching means. Uh, a precept is a commandment or instruction or a rule. So it's profitable, it, it te- when it says it's, it's profitable for teaching, that it gives us uh, commandments or, or instructions. Uh, for instructions, it's an exhortation on aspects of Christian life and thought. So it's profitable to give us um, exhortations on different, different parts of the Christian life. And then doctrine is a set of beliefs held and taught by the church. So uh, Scripture tells us what doctrine is. When people say, I don't understand, I don't know what uh, the truth is, we can point them to Scripture. People, that, and it's always amazing to me when you look at that, when I, what I consider uh, uh, bad, doc, bad biblical doctrine that's running around out there when I hear people talk about it. And it's usually, it's obvious they didn't get that from Scripture because that's, that's not what God says. We need to, our doctrine comes through Scripture. So, it's, so the, uh, the Bible is profitable or beneficial for teaching us uh, truth. It's also profitable for reproof, or beneficial for reproof. Now, um, where it's, you get the teaching thing, it's profitable for teaching, but reproof, nobody wants to be reproved, okay? Admonish, to caution or reprove gently, to uh, say, look, um, you may think this, but this is really the truth. So we're admonished by the word. Um, we're convinced by the word. It's to make someone believe that something is true, that we're convinced of what is truth through God's word. And then rebuke. This is to reprimand, strongly warn, or restrain. So uh, the scriptures can be a, can rebuke us, meaning you're going down the wrong path, you have bad thinking, this is the truth. So sometimes we, we have an easier time with the teaching than we do the reproving that's going on, but they're both important. So if you if you if you look at these together, teaching or instructing, reproof, being reprimand, reprimanded strongly, what it gives us is sound doctrine. So if you look at the word to be taught by we look to be taught by the word and allow ourselves to be reproved by the word, to be uh, to be reprimanded when we're wrong. We come out with sound doctrine, meaning we, um, we understand the truth of God in a new way. If you look at the bottom there, what we understand, think, and believe in our minds about God. That's our sound doctrine. What, what we understand, think, and believe in our minds about God. So sound doctrine is, good, is, is biblical thinking about who God is and his character, and we get that through Scripture. So, so uh, 
this, this uh, God-breathed truth can give us sound doctrine. Let's move on. But also, it's, a, it's profitable for correction. And what correction does for us, one is to restore, to bring back to a, a, a former state or a state of ruin, meaning it, it took what's, we're on the wrong track, but through Scripture, we're brought onto the right track. We're, we, uh, we've, we're like the train that's, that's kind of run off, run, run off the tracks. We're put back on the, on the tracks. Uh, that's restoring. Scripture restores us. It improves us. Uh, <clears throat> a promotion of desirable qualities, progress towards what is better. And finally, it corrects. The profitable for correction, which is to set right, to set straight. So Scripture sets us right. In this crazy world that I alluded to when we first started, we, we sometimes have difficulty understanding what's going on. Scripture helps to set it right for us, to, to set us straight, to help us to, to um, understand the ways of the world. through it's, it's that clarifying glasses that we put on to see the world around us. So Scripture is profitable for correction. And finally, from 2 Timothy 3, it's prof, scripture is profitable for training in righteousness. Now you could say, actually you could just say, for training in right. What is, what is right? It's a training in righteousness. So the, the scriptures are like a tutor, um, to t- which teaches us and instructs, instructs us. Uh, the scriptures chasten us to correct by punishment or suffering. Sometimes uh, uh, it, it's, you know, it's a, it looks a negative look, but what it does, it's a, it, the purpose is to bring us back into adherence with God's word. It trains us to teach or form by instruction or practice. Um, so we're, the scriptures are profitable for training in righteousness. So if we, set these, if we look at these two last uh, points, correction to set right, so scripture set, it, set what is the world, or in our, in our mind it sets it right, trains us in righteousness to teach us right living, what we get is sound conduct. So when the, the four things listed in 2 Timothy there, two of them help us with our, to get sound doctrine, to think correctly, while the last two help us to have sound conduct, meaning to live correctly. Isn't that what we need in our lives? To think about God correctly, to live our, our lives in a correct manner? How we behave, what we do, is our, is our is sound conduct. How do we behave, what do we do? Okay, how can we apply this? Um, I love this. This is an old English proverb. In fact, I googled it, and there's all kinds of references to it. Zeal without knowledge is a runaway horse. So I looked for a runaway horse. I couldn't find a good picture that, to stick on there. But it, it's that. I, and I think of, the, of the, the, the shows where the person's going out there to ride a horse, and they jumps on them, the horse throws them off and runs away. That's kind of what zeal does to us when our zeal is not tempered by knowledge of God's word. Our zeal for God can be like a runaway horse in a way. So that's why it's not that zeal is bad. It's that zeal needs to be balanced by the knowledge of God that comes through his word. Knowledge without zeal, because this can be a problem also, creates people who know about God but don't really know God. When we are just full of head knowledge 
but that knowledge never flows down to our heart. It never flows down to our actions. We become people that know about God, but we don't know God. And that's, that's dangerous also. So I think what Paul is saying when he says that they had zeal without knowledge, because they were zealous, but didn't know what, to, didn't know what was right, they, they made their own path. And what he's asking us to do is to say, wait a second, Timothy, we've been instructing you since you were a child, so take those things that we've learned, that scripture is profitable for these things, to give you sound doctrine and sound conduct. And then, then you're equipped for everything that God has called you to do. Okay, our desire as believers is to have sound doctrine, correct beliefs, and sound conduct, correct behavior, start from the foundation built on Scripture. <clears throat> now, what you really want to do is use the next two words, because that way everybody will think you're really smart. Our orthodoxy, or our beliefs about God, are important, but also orthopraxy. Uh, you know, it's the, the idea that uh, uh, how we behave or what we do. So what we believe and what we do, orthodoxy and orthopraxy are both, both important. So it's not, you can't just try to be a righteous person without, without uh, right belief. We can't just have beliefs without doing the right thing. We need orthodoxy and orthopraxy. So let me see if I can sum this up for us. Okay, um, Scripture is beneficial to thoroughly equip us for every good work. As, as believers in Christ, as followers of, of Jesus, we want to be equipped for everything that God has called us to do. All our callings are not the same, but, but what we can be assured of, through Scripture, we can, we can learn to think God's thoughts after him and to live in a manner that pleases God. Number two, the Bible is God's instruction manual for mankind, and as creator and designer, he included every principle we would need for the things we face in life. If, you, if you're confused about what's going on, go to the Word. Start with the Word, and that's a place where God speaks to us. The Word is God-breathed. And then we need orthodoxy, right belief, and orthopraxy, right conduct. We need both. Neither is sufficient by itself. So, here's my challenge to you as we finish up. Make this the year of the Bible. <clears throat> That's it, as your instructor. That's what I'm asking you to do. Make it the year of the Bible. How do we do that? Find a way to study the Bible this year. If you're a student, get involved in a Bible study on the campus. Create a Bible study among your, uh, your friends here at church, and, and we can provide any kind of resources that you need. Join Bible Study Fellowship, which is... 60 countries, been around for 60 years, or hundreds of countries, been around for, for 60 years. Uh, there's, there's an evening class that here meets in, in, in Bryan that has men, women, college students, young adults, children, everybody, the whole family can be a part of it. But it's systematic study of the Bible. Or, you know, start your own Bible study if you need to. Also, go to our small group where we uh, discuss what was talked about in the sermon and we look at the Bible and its relevance uh, to what was talked about. So small groups are a place to, to, to start. Make this the year of the Bible. Decide that you're going to have sound doctrine and sound uh, actions flowing from your life and you do that with the foundation 